decry clickbait around here, but here's one I will have to click on. I just saw the New York Post. Uh, woman proud of her hairy chest thinks it's sexy. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm, gonna I'm probably gonna have no. to click on that. Yeah, here's right. the, here's Go the, ahead. Here's the twist. You don't have to click on that. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you can just walk on by. <laughs> so. Oh, you know what? This is something we really ought to get to. Glenn Greenwald with some r- great writing. We'll get to the most and least educated states in the union. But she says she's uh, proud of her hairy chest. I don't... Uh, I, uh, I'm not saying a woman with a hairy chest can't be sexy. No, that'd be or, mean. Or, or, or is undeserving of love. I mean, sure. clearly that's not the case. No. On the other hand, I don't need to see it. No, great. Right. Probably looks like Burt Reynolds under there. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Uh, so we'll get to the uh, the various uh, this state that city stuff. It's mildly interesting, like I said. Uh, but Glenn Greenwald doing some great writing on uh, what happened, what exactly happened at the Capitol during the siege, and what didn't happen. One of the main aspects of this is the death of the officer that was uh, widely uh, reported in the New York Times, Washington Post, Alphabet Networks, everywhere. Us. Uh, Officer Sicknick is being beat to death with a uh, fire extinguisher, which is obviously a horrific thing. Um, and just oh, any yeah. violence against laws in yeah. law enforcement, particularly fatal violence, is, is to be condemned, of course. A crazed Trump mob bit, beat a policeman to death is a heck of a story. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let me read you a little bit of what Glenn Greenwald wrote. And, uh, oh, gosh, I've read a couple of different pieces, but I, I think I like this one better. Have we given the punchline to this yet, or is this coming in the story? Well, kind of is, but we, okay. go ahead, though. It go didn't ahead. happen. I mean, <clears throat> it yeah, didn't happen. It didn't even come close to happening. <clears throat> yeah. And so Glenn, of course, says that anytime force or violence is introduced into what ought to be a peaceful resolution of uh, conflicts, it should be lamented and condemned. Right, of course. But none of that justifies lying about what happened that day, especially by the news media. Condemning that riot does not allow, let alone require, echoing false claims in order to render the event more menacing and serious than it actually was. There's no circumstance or motive that justifies the dissemination of false claims by journalists. The more consequential the event, the less justified and more harmful serious journalistic falsehoods are. Yet this is exactly what has happened and continues to happen since that riot almost seven weeks ago. And anybody who tries to correct these falsehoods is instantly attacked with cynical accusations that if you want only truthful reporting about what happened, you're trying to minimize what happened. Or you're a Trump apologist. One of the most... Go ahead. So what happened with the guy, or is that coming up in this uh, little story? Right now. Okay. One of the most significant of these falsehoods was the tale endorsed over and over without any caveats by the media for more than a month. Absolutely no caveats. It was just a stated fact. That's one of the reasons I was willing to go with it on the air. It was just stated so straightly and plainly. In my mind, well, there's no way, you know, uh, the Washington Posts of the world, the New York Times of the world, would state it that plainly if they didn't have that nailed down. It was was not even, like, worth looking into. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Which, you know, we're not cynical enough, apparently. apparently. And, and you know, there's a risk of being too hip for the room uh, doing this job because we spend all our our time immersed in this stuff. So maybe take a step back and let you know, Glenn Greenwald, uh, a very well-known journalist, um, he is a liberal, absolutely a classic liberal. He is a, uh, well, he's a lefty, but he is a hardcore purist when it comes to journalistic ethics. Are the so, new liberals, I saw this the other day posed, are the... Old liberals, 
the new conservatives. Yes. In a way. Glenn Greenwald's a conservative. He's trying to conserve various things. Right. Bill Maher is trying to conserve various things. Right. Yeah, I think that's absolutely legitimate. They might believe in different government policies than I do, but they're not trying to create a Marxist utopia. Anyway, uh, back to uh, Glenn's uh, piece. Uh, One of the most significant of these falsehoods was the tale endorsed over and over without any caveats by the media for more than a month that Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick was murdered by the pro-Trump mob when they beat him to death with a fire extinguisher. That claim was first published by the New York Times on January 8th in an article headlined, Capitol Police Officer Dies from Injuries in Pro-Trump Rampage. Wait a second. Two days after the riot, they had that that wrong? How the Mm -hmm. heck did that happen? Uh, let's see. It cited two anonymous law enforcement officials to claim that Sicknick died, quote, with the mob rampaging through the halls of Congress after he was, quote, struck with fire extinguisher. A second New York Times article from later that day bearing the more dramatic headline, he dreamed of being a police officer, then was killed by a pro-Trump mob. I read that story. Elaborated on that story. Uh, then on Wednesday... Oh, I'm sorry, this is part of it. Uh, this is quoting the article, blah, 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 overpowered Mr. Sicknick, 42, and struck him in the head with a fire extinguisher, according to two law enforcement officials. With a bloody gash in his head, Mr. Sicknick was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. He died on Thursday evening. After publication of these two articles, this horrifying story about a pro-Trump mob beating a cop to death with a fire extinguisher was repeated over and over by multiple journalists in television, print, and on social media. They don't mention radio. Screw you, Glenn Greenwald. What about radio? <laughs> it became uh, arguably the most ov- most emphasized and known story of the sure, event, understandably absolutely. so. Savage and barbaric, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it took on such importance for a clear reason. Sicknick's death was the only example the media had of the pro-Trump mob deliberately killing anyone. In a January 11th article detailing the five people who died on the day of the Capitol protest, the New York Times again told the Sicknick story, um, et cetera, you know, the details again. But none of the other four deaths were at the hands of the protesters. The only other person killed with deliberate violence was a pro-Trump protester, Ashley Babbitt, unarmed when shot in the neck by a police officer at close range. The other three deaths were all pro-Trump, pro-Trump protesters. Kevin Greeson, who died of a heart attack outside the Capitol, Benjamin Phillips, uh, the founder of pro-Trump website, who died of a stroke that day, and Roseanne Boyland, a fanatical Trump supporter whom the Times says was inadvertently, quote, killed in a crush of fellow rioters during their attempt to fight through a police line. Now, I want to depart from this for a moment just to make it clear for stupid people or people who jerk their knees and have no other way to react. It the 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 storming of the Capitol was terrible. It was unjustifiable. It was violent. A lot of people did get hurt. I mean, there are permanent injuries to some of the Capitol Police. Permanent injuries. Oh, and it's political am- violence. And it's amazing that pe- more people weren't killed. Agreed. Political violence is never excusable. There was an angry mob looking for Mike Pence, uh, Nancy Pelosi, people on both sides of the aisle, and God knows what would have happened uh, if they got hold of them. This is a story about how the media and politics are intertwined to sell you a narrative. Now, just, and again, some people can't handle nuance. Just because it's not as horrible as portrayed doesn't mean it isn't horrible. And it doesn't mean it's excusable. But, anyway, since that was the only person demonstrably killed, well, allegedly killed by the pro-Trump mob, 
writes uh, Glenn Greenwald. This is why the fire extinguisher story story became so vital to those intent on depicting these events in the most violent and menacing light possible. Without Sicknick having his skull bashed in with a fire extinguisher, there were no deaths that day that could be attributed to deliberate violence by pro-Trump protesters. Three weeks later, the Washington Post said dozens of officers had various degrees of injuries, but none reported as life-threatening, and at least two police officers committed suicide after the riot. So Sicknick was the only person killed who was not a pro-Trump protester and the only one deliberately killed by the mob itself. It's hard to overstate how pervasive this fire extinguisher story became. And then he he gives tons and tons and tons of clips and and clippings and the rest of it about um, how it was omnipresent, the story. And in fact, we repeated it. And for that, we apologize. Uh, The problem with the story, writes, is that it is false in all respects. And from the start, there was almost no evidence to substantiate it. The only basis were the two original New York Times articles asserting this happened based on the claims of anonymous law enforcement officials. Not only was there no reason to believe this happened from the start, the little that was known should have caused doubt. So the guy was there in the melee, went back to the office, had a stroke later in the day and died. Yeah. Yeah, he had texted his family, according to his brother, Officer Sicknick, he texted the family Wednesday night to see, yeah, I got pepper sprayed, but I'm fine and in good spirits. Uh, that obviously, and that was in ProPublica, which is a liberal publication. Uh, that obviously conflicted with the time story that the mob overpowered Sicknick and struck him in the head with a fire extinguisher, after which, and we're quoting the Times now, with a bloody gash in his head, Mr. Sicknick was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. Um so there were liberal journalists saying, no, 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 that didn't happen at all, but it was just completely ignored. How in the heck did all these publications, Where did who? who's the first person who even created it? Was it the journalist or was it these two alleged law enforcement officers who instead of going with Howard Stern's penis, went with an entirely fictional story about how this poor guy got beaten to death? I mean, I, I think everybody saw somebody hurl a fire extinguisher into the crowd, which is a brutal, cowardly, and idiotic thing to do. And maybe they just created it because we all saw that. But, but, but these some of these publications. I mean, this is some of the biggest journalism in the world. Nobody thought I'm going to call his wife, brother, whoever. You know, get a quote for this, and then they'd get a hold of him. They'd say, "What are you talking about? No, he had a stroke and died." Right. Well, that gets back to Glenn Greenwald's. While I'm making the phone call to get the quote, somebody else printed the article, and I lost all the clicks, and now I'm in a meeting with my manager. But if if journalism is as bad as it would appear it is from this story, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's like high school newspaper bad. Yeah. Well, except no high school newspaper would get away with this. It's not journalism. It's actalism now. It's writing stories, and I mean stories like the Three Bears is a story. It's... (laughs) You know, sometimes they're 80% fact, sometimes they're 20% fact, but they, they, uh, they're trying to win the day. It's activism. So journalism, as you guys describe it, it was about facts, right? Who, what, when, why. Just give me the facts on it. But, but facts have been commoditized, right? You're not going to do whether or not you think the AP is biased or Wikipedia, for an example, right? Like, facts are free. And so the only way that you can be a business in journalism is by the opinion, by the spin, by the, the editorial stuff. And uh, I, I feel like this is just another symptom of that, where where facts, reporting of facts, is not a viable business model for any of these journalism Well, well then we're completely 100% doomed as a society. 
Correct. I mean, if we're yes. going, if we're going to go, <laughs> coming up, a woman with a hairy armpit. <laughs> if we're going to go from people shade stories in a way that's not cool to just they're completely made up, they never even happened. Then well, what? What's the point? Oh, I think that's only dangerous if you are still operating under the assumption that the new is the old. That the 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 new journalism is still the same old journalism, and I think that they're. Uh, because the facts are out there. You can go to these things and you can do the homework and you can find the stuff that you want to. I, 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 yeah, I still feel I, like the Sean, well-informed you're right. voter is a thing. You're, you're right that uh, it's, it's only people under a certain age who have that sense. And, I mean, if you've spent your entire life immersed in a media that slowly and painstakingly built a reputation for solid information, and all of a sudden they become carnival hucksters and drug dealers. It's going to take a while for the average voter who is older yeah. um, to come to grips with that. And maybe your average talk show host, too. Uh, quickly, because we need to take a break. That is absolutely amazing. I know it is. I know it is. It's shocking. It's sickening. Uh, one of our beloved listeners, the uh, the fabulous JT in Livermore, has analyzed why, and I know we're going backward here, but it's so good, why the Democrats called short the impeachment as quickly as they did. Why they gave in as quickly. And it's really interesting. Okay. So we'll get that to that. Well, the most and least educated states. we got too much to get to, to, to possibly squeeze in. It's all coming up. Armstrong and Getty. hyperbole problem i probably you, have you personally i probably have the worst hyperbole problem of anyone on earth hilarious um but i do and you know if you listen to the show you know i i i, I state like five times per show this is the biggest crisis in the world or biggest crisis in america <laughs> um and it's five different things and I, I realize i do that um but that story we just did might be the biggest crisis in the world yes i would agree I mean, how can you deal with the world if your perception of the world is twisted by deliberate liars? By, by con men and, 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 and hucksters who are claiming to be giving you the straight scoop. If, if the New York Times and other big outlets are willing to print a story, and I'm not, this is not a liberal biased thing at all. This is not the usual rant. This is just a, any story. If there are stories that we're all talking about that never happened at all, Mm-hmm. What's the point? Right. Where, where well, are the we point going? is to where... get your money to get your. No, votes I understand right. their point, but what's the right. point for me as a news consumer? Why even? Why even bother? Well, I, it's, and people it's... will stop bothering, or they'll do what people are doing. You will. Everyone, including me, will just seek out the sources that tend to agree with them because it's more comfortable. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and they will. I, I tell you what. While I enjoy the paycheck uh, pretty well, I find myself more motivated to do this job than I've been in many, many moons, because I feel like uh, I feel like it's a fight, a fight between kind of a, a traditional view of what makes a democracy run, which is accurate information, and while it's okay to have a perspective or to be a, an ideologue or a partisan or whatever, to be a deliberate liar, I think, is an awful thing. 
I think it's bad for the country that I love so much. And so if, if taken on the liars, whether it's the Marxists who are trying to pervert what your kids learn in school or the New York Times or whatever, taking, taking them on is more than motivation to get me out of bed in the morning. I used to I'm be happy an- to do it. I used to be anti elite gatekeepers. I am now 100% fit in favor of elite gatekeepers. You have to have elite gatekeepers. You can't function as a society without them. Now, you don't trust them, and you don't leave them unsupervised, and you don't worship them. You, you call them to account. You keep them honest. But I see your point. I've got a great example of that. So the, the modern world is the most outspoken politician gets on the air all the time. They just mm-hmm. want the person that's the most outlandish. Back in the day, I was listening to a podcast this about the other day. Back in the day, uh, anybody on the right, you didn't get on Meet the Press unless William F. Buckley thought you were worth hearing on Meet the Press. You weren't going to get some loudmouth QAnon crazy person on there that would get a lot of eyeballs if William F. Buckley said, no, that's a fringe weirdo. The John Birch Society couldn't get on Meet the Press because he'd say, no, we're not going to give them any air. Mm. Now, all the crazies get on TV all the time. There are no gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It's all poking the gorilla with a stick through the bars of the cage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I want to get to that fabulous analysis of why the Democrats gave up on impeachment so quickly. It's good stuff. What a good stuff to come. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The most depressing thing I heard about um, spending to get schools open. I'll have that for you coming up a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, that uh, controversy continues to burn across the country, and some strange bedfellows are emerging, like the mayor of Chicago with conservatives everywhere and and parents everywhere, but more on that. I promised this, so I wanted to, to hit you with it. Um, uh, one of our fabulous listeners who emailed us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. The fabulous JT, who uh, spends a fair amount of time on his emails, includes links, the rest of it, says, um, the sudden impeachment halt explained. In two words, Nancy Pelosi. And he's talking about how uh, at the 11th hour, it seems as though the Democrats were going to call some witnesses, including a congresswoman who is aware of a call in which Kevin McCarthy and the president yelled at each other, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then, uh, you know, in the back room, discussions were had, and there were no witnesses, and the thing just ended. And it ended in the way it was predicted end, and it was much ado about nothing. Um, so why didn't they push harder and longer? And JT uh, gives some... Um, he said the facts were slowly emerging that almost exclusively underca- undercut the Democrats' spin. For example, the murdered policeman story had to be retracted. Mm. As it was revealed, he didn't suffer a life-ending head wound from the rioters. And we've uh, we've been describing that in the last segment. That Officer Sicknick did not die of head wounds from a fire extinguisher. Uh, the majority of messages coordinating violent demonstration were done on Facebook, not on Parler. And Salon.com pointed that out. And so the whole uh, the mob assembling online thing would have been laid at Mark Zuckerberg's lap. Oh, boy, I hadn't even thought of that. It's a good point. It's a good point. 
Capitol Hill Police uh, Chief Steve Lund urged Nancy Pelosi and the House Sergeant at Arms and Senate Sergeant at Arms to increase security. Nancy rejected the request. The New York Post uh, was reporting on that because uh, the optics would look terrible. So that's uncomfortable. Um, Pelosi stupidly, this is JT's words, drew up impeachment documents charging Trump with a real crime. The problem is that the crime has pretty specific legal criteria, none of which would have stood up to real examination. Um, That isn't an issue really in a political impeachment trial, especially when no witnesses or evidence were presented, but it could become a huge deal if witnesses were allowed. Um, because the Trump's, the Trump's lawyers could have had uh, endless expert witnesses refuting the legal basis for the impeachment. Mm-hmm. The longer the trial went on, the worse it was going to be for Dems, especially Democratic senators and Biden. A little political theater based on dubious constitutional arguments is one thing. Um, it allows you know the administration to do its work, to summarize. But a long, protracted, time-sucking event that inhibits Congress from doing the people's business would look bad. Uh, the Kevin McCarthy statement was nothing but hearsay. It goes into some detail that we don't really have time for. When the floodgate of witnesses is open, it means that every Democrat in every story gets to be deposed, including Pelosi and any emails, Schumer and any emails, the fired Capitol Hill police chief and Harris and Biden, um, et cetera. And that would have dragged on. So uh, that, 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 that. the strength of the Democrats' case was built on rage and fear. Look at their prosecution, a 15-minute montage of video from the riot that didn't in any way tie itself to Trump. The more information and more time that passed only served to lessen their use of these two emotions. For a hot second Saturday morning, the Dems appeared to have forgotten their exposure in all of this. They may have also forgotten that the whole thing was a sham. They forgot to, they weren't actually in search of real evidence. Only then they remembered the real purpose of the impeachment. They quickly shut it down and allowed for the vote. I think that's pretty good analysis. I hope I live to be 120 so I can see how it's reported in history, because nobody will know any of that. I think you will be an angry and bitter 120-year-old when you read the misreporting in history. (laughs) Who will I yell at? Well, I don't know the... The cyber journalist, the AI journalist who doesn't exist, who is cranking out the uh, the history book. Mm. An algorithm will write the history books. Uh, that is something. I appreciate Glenn Greenwald and Andrew McCarthy and others who have written at length about the whole Officer Sicknick was not beaten to death. The New York Times, and, and I, we didn't have time for it in the last segment, but they've printed kind of a correction but it's hard to even understand what they're saying. But how did it ever get in their newspaper? There's no excusing them ever having it in their newspaper. Clearly, one phone call would have kept it out of the newspaper. Right, right. So I think their standards or their ways of doing business have changed so much from what we, you know, middle-aged Americans expect a, a major news organization to do. I don't think we have a single idea how they operate. I mean, did they were the alleged law enforcement officers even law enforcement officers? Did they lie? Were they vetted? I mean, is it? Can you just are there like congressional aides who call up a friendly reporter at the New York Times and say, uh, "Hey, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Turns out that cop was beaten to death by uh, crazed Trump maniacs. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, my colleague's going to call you. And then the guy sitting at the cubicle next to him says. Yeah, I was there. That's exactly what happened. And then the New York Times just runs with it. Apparently. 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 Hey, there's a NASA rover that's ready to touch down on Mars today, it looks like, and is going to start gathering even more information of whether or not there was ever life on Mars. 
Um, I'm pretty excited about that as we continue yeah. to move toward sending human beings to Marge, uh, Mars, not Marge, um, which is another reason. Oh, why, homie. Which is another reason I want to live to be old, although I don't I think I'm going to have to be that old before we start to send people to Mars. That's supposed to happen in like within 10 years. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's good to spend a little time on the incredible achievements of America, the United States. Um, it's minus 81 on Mars. Of course, if you live in Texas, that doesn't sound like that bad right now, but um, it sounds about like what yeah. you're used to. <laughs> I wonder if they have power on Mars. Not in Texas. Oh, yeah, I heard this uh, interesting story the other day. I think it was this probe, the one that's just about to land. Uh, a couple of the scientists said, you know, we've never really gotten this good audio. We got video and we got spectrometers and then dirt samples and the rest of it. Why don't we listen to some audio? It'll help us gauge winds and winds directions. And Isn't it going to sound like, like a windy day? <clears throat> More or less. Get but uh, out. We <laughs> <laughs> must kill earthlings. Um, <laughs> but so, must kill earthlings in these English. Couple, these couple of... Well, they, they've been intercepting our signals. and <laughs> That uh, would be confusing. They got the Rosetta Stone up there. <laughs> anyway. Um, but a couple of these lower-level scientists went to their bosses and said, hey, you know what would be useful is uh, audio recordings. We need some some special microphones. And they were told, we don't have the budget for that. So they went online and just bought some and figured out how to how to hook them up inside the spacecraft, added practically no weight, and they added audio recordings in a kind of plucky uh, seat-of-the-pants sort huh. of way. Yeah. They're going to land on the red planet at 355. Ghana, Ghana oh. is going to. <laughs> They're going to land on the red planet tomorrow at 3.55 Eastern after a 293-million-mile trek from Cape Canaveral yeah, to Mars. Yeah, That's gonna... just impossible to wrap your head around how far that is. I just took a long road trip. They're going to have to stop to pee at least four or five times. Yeah, yeah. So You'd be uh, ready to I... get out and stretch your legs after 293 million miles, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, are you just kidding walk me? around the car a little bit. Do Dad, this. we've been in the car for 150 million miles. Can we get out? No, we're going to drive through. we got to keep moving. Making a good time. Moving, kids. Making really good time. <laughs> <laughs> got to get to the hotel by 8. Dad, I'm tired. Say this again. There are a number of Mars shows on, I think, the Disney Channel, the uh, the National Geographic part of the Disney Plus, that in 4K, if you got a good TV, are just amazing to look at and to think that this is you're looking at the surface of Mars. And they put music to it and everything like that makes it a little more dramatic. But it's just, it's so wild to think that you're looking at a planet 300 million miles away. Like you're oh, looking yeah. at, uh, you know, Arizona. And it looks a lot like and it Arizona. Looks exactly <laughs> like Arizona. In fact, it might be Arizona. All those scientists are just buying Coke and hookers with all that money. And then, then they roll around, take pictures of Arizona. Here, show this to the suckers. That'd be something. <laughs> they live in giant houses, all drive Lambos. <laughs> and they just uh, just you know. located outside of Prim, Nevada. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mix in a shot of Utah just for fun. <laughs> More or less the same. If they discover there was life on Mars, though, if they told me today it's definitive, we know for a fact there was life on Mars. Does that do much for me? Is it changes yes. everything? Changes everything. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. Well, I remember forever they wanted to know if water ever existed. And then they announced it's true. There is water on Mars. Okay. It's a major development in terms of 
having a base on Mars. Okay. You can use the water, A, to drink, B, to put on crops. I assume there will be Mars farms. Swim, Mars swims. You can create uh, oxygen out of it, right, in municipal swimming pools. So <laughs> hot tubs, Mars, hot tubs. It's a major development. So I'm going to pause the, I'm going to pay this off. I swear I am, because I promised. And the man who tries to stop me is going to get a slapping. <laughs> Your most and least educated states. Okay. Stay with us. How smart and dumb is yours? and Getty. It's a god-awful small affair. To the girl with the mousy hair, but her mommy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go, but her friend is nowhere to be seen. The hell is this? Now she Michael, how'd you come up with this so quickly? Like five seconds ago, I said, Michael, we could come back with David Bowie's uh, Life on Mars. I got a little more on the Mars uh, thing that's a rover that's going to land on Mars tomorrow, but I'll get to that in a little bit if we have time. Yeah, real quickly, I came across this this list. I thought it was pretty interesting. It's one of the many uh, uh, surveys, uh, studies put out by the folks at WalletHub.com. It's the most and least educated states. The most interesting aspect of this to me was not necessarily the list of states, but... My least if, educated state is inebriation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, education is wasted on the inebriated man, trust me. But they have quality of education, too. And if you filter it through the quality of education, it changes the list. And the quality is highest percentage of high school diploma holders, associate degrees. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's the uh, the educational thing. But they get to how many kids actually get through school? How many kids um, are ready for college? That sort of thing. Um, and that affects the list. But you're... Most educated state, not surprisingly, is Massachusetts. Yeah, get- I, I have tr- I have troubles with any any terms like educated, smart, any of those things. Do they mean schooled? Yeah, because I know plenty of people with degrees that are freaking morons. So, oh, yeah. how educated are you? <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Most schooled is uh, Massachusetts, then Maryland, Connecticut, Vermont, Colorado, Virginia, New Jersey. New Hampshire, Minnesota, Washington. Mm. Um, but if it's, if you incorporate quality of education, which I explained brief, briefly, and unfortunately I don't have, have time to explain it completely, but I found their criteria pretty good. Uh, Maryland's number one. Florida is number two. Then Massachusetts, New Jersey, and it, it shakes up the list. And California, which is 36th in educational attainment, is allegedly sixth in quality of education. Okay. I don't know. I found that interesting. Uh, oh, oh! I, we need the bottom dwellers just to to have dumb somebody states, to look down just on. Just dumb, dummy, breathing through their mouths, dumb. eating taste in school. I, you rejected that premise like forty seconds ago. <laughs> uh, West Virginia at the bottom of the list. I'm afraid, although fiftieth uh, in attainment, but thirty ninth in quality. Too busy Miss- smoking to read. Mississippi. Can't breathe through all the cigarette smoke. Oh, well, it's you stop it. <laughs> there are very nice people. The people who listen to the show in those states. We're smoking while they try to read. <laughs> Keep getting ash on the page. Uh, Mississippi 49, then Louisiana, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Nevada. It's interesting Oklahoma. stereotypes because if you were going to guess, you would have guessed most of those states. Yeah, yeah, there are some of those states that struggle with uh, revenue and education and the rest. There are also a number of states that have substantial Indian reservation 
I make no assumption that you are smarter because you have an advanced degree. None. No. No, indeed. I will uh, then give you the most and least ethnically diverse cities just for fun, counting from number 10 to number one, most diverse cities. Oakland, California, San Jose, California, Kent, Washington, Rockville, Maryland, New York, New York, Silver Spring, Maryland. My aunt and uncle used to live there. Spring Valley, Nevada, Germantown, Maryland, Gaithersburg, Maryland, and Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. What that's least worth? diverse. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just give you five. That's enough. Um, there's a town in Vermont, West Virginia, Vermont, Montana. Vermont, interesting. Uh, New Hampshire, uh, then Watertown, San Diego, Bar, Vermont. Clarksburg, West Virginia, Hialeah, Florida, and Parkersburg, West Virginia. I'm guessing it's all white old coal miners. Super liberal Vermont is almost all one race. Yes. Yeah, they occupy one, two, three of the top ten slots. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mildly interesting. I told you it was mildly (laughs) interesting. I think this is pretty interesting that we got this new, the latest technology of Mars rovers landing on Mars tomorrow afternoon, and we'll start sending pictures back. I was trying to find how long it would take for the pictures to get back to us. I think it's like 15 minutes or something. Um, obviously, think about you, your... You used to pay extra for that in 1991. Well, 15-minute pictures. Think about your own iPhone, how much better the camera is on your iPhone than it was 10 years ago. So, obviously, you know, things have gotten that much better for all kinds of computer stuff for these uh, Mars rovers that are ooching around, as opposed to the ones that were scooting around in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, etc., What was happening in the 70s? Did they actually, like, snap pictures with a camera and send the film back to Earth, or what? It was a Polaroid, yeah, and they pulled it out, they shook it until it developed, (laughs) and then they uh, FedExed it back. Right. Um, There is something they call the seven minutes of terror when the the rocket is landing there on Mars, because once it gets within a, a few minutes of the surface... There's. It takes that long for the signal to get from the spaceship back to NASA. So once it's that close, there's no more making adjustments. Up until then, you can make adjustments on the flight path and the speed and all that, and, you know, monitor battery power and all that different stuff. But when it gets close enough, yeah, you just got to hope you got everything right, because by the time you got the information that, whoops, we're going too fast, you would have already <laughs> crashed, and there'd be no you know, slowing it down at that point. I got bad news for you, boss, uh, about the probe. So it's going to last uh, land, and then this little rover, um, it's going to have uh, you know an old-fashioned parachute come out, and it'll float softly to the Mars surface uh, at about one mile per hour. And then this rover will come out that's about 10 feet by 9 feet by 7 feet, but weighs as much as a very large car. Of course, that's about the size of a car. Um, mm-hmm. It weighs about 2,200 pounds, goes really slow, super high-tech cameras and all kinds of devices for uh, picking up information. And as far as the... This is the first time that the sole purpose of a rover has been to try to find any evidence of life. It's the first time that we've ever done this. Oh, okay. For some reason. Um, all the yeah, other information. The other ones were just topographical I or guess. finding elements and stuff. I guess. All right, yeah. Analyze the soil and try to find water, that sort of thing. But this one is uh, bio. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching some documentary about the, the moon landing, obviously different, but how how weird it is what they didn't know at the time, right? They didn't know that it, the, the first weight that was put on the moon, is it hollow? Is it just going to go right through? Like, it was yeah. the, these things that you don't know right. until you actually cross that abyss. Right. Would it sink in two inches or two feet? Right. 
This thing also has a four-pound drone on it that is going to take off as soon as the rover lands, and that thing's got super cool cameras on it, and it's going to fly around, too, taking pictures. So we're going to get some amazing shots from Mars starting uh, probably day after tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, the probe is going to send the drone up a couple of times and really enjoy it, then put it in the closet and not use it again. <laughs> um. But this particular scientist says looking for life. I said a little bit ago, you know, if they if they figured out there was life there, eh, would that have any effect on me? I lack imagination, obviously. Um, pretty obvious. Because this guy says any sign of life would be the most momentous discovery in the entire history of humanity. Even if it's extinct life, just knowing that there is something out there is, well, you know, greatest thing that mankind has ever learned. And I, I think you're not as excited about that idea as a lot of people because you assume that's there's true. life mm-hmm. on other planets, that's as true. do I. One thing they want to <laughs> nail down, though, and this is kind of interesting, um, there is some belief that the life on Earth is uh, we're all Martians. There was life on Mars long ago. Uh, an asteroid from Mars came to Earth, smashed into Earth, and that's how life spread on Earth, and then the life died off on Mars. If they can figure out that it's of the same form, that it looks like, yeah, probably life spread from Mars to Earth, or if did it evolve completely on its own, completely separate of the life that evolved on Earth, that would be a big deal for imagining life on, you know, any sort of galaxy a gazillion, gazillion light years away. You're blowing my mind. It is. It's pretty interesting. Armstrong and Getty.